And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Kuehl Show. I am your host today, the Inside of the Insiders, Tyler Kuehl, our last Thursday show here of TKS. And the reason why, kiddies, we have a Stanley Cup champion. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations to the 2021 and also 2020 Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, they finished off Le Canadien last night in the Sunshine State. We will get full reactions from top to bottom, side to side, or diagonal to diagonal corner here on TKS here tonight. We am not going to be alone, though. Don't worry. We're going to be having Matthew Estevez return from Raw Charge SB Nation to help us break down the Tampa side of things. We'll get into the Montreal side of things here, but that'll be at the bottom of the hour. Once again, just another hour-long show. We may go a little over, a little over 7 o'clock today, given that, like I said, it's our last Thursday show. And I don't know, I think we're just maybe good luck for Tampa now that we're doing this live stuff. Also because of the fact that, for those that remember, we actually did the, our Stanley Cup wrap-up show after they won last season, also on a Thursday. So I just have a feeling that Tampa just likes to win on Thursday, and they're going to make it sure that they're going to, A, go well into the summer and make sure they win on between Wednesday and Monday. So, like Tuesday, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they can win. They can't win on a Thursday or Friday or Saturday, though, because they need to have the wrap-up show be on a Thursday. Oh, yeah, the coffee is feeling good. Coffee is feeling good, kids. Here today, here on TKS. But, of course, you're watching us on TKS here on this Thursday night. You're watching us on 12 Ounce Sports, of course, which you can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Zingo TV, YouTube. Zingo TV, by the way, Channel 761, if you jump on there. You can get on there for free as well. Don't have to pay a dollar. Use the promo code 12 Ounce. That's the number one, the number two, the letter O or the letter Z or Z for you improper English users. Of course, if you're watching us on Zingo TV, you know how to spell it because guess what? It's in the corner right there. 12 Ounce Sports. Catch awesome shows like World Hockey Report, Pete's Philly Picks, and all the other awesome stuff on 12 Ounce Sports as well. And of course, we got to thank our cool sponsors that are the reason why we are so profitable here on TKS and 12 Ounce Sports. MyBookie.ag down there in the corner. Check them out, guys. I know the Stanley Cup playoffs are over, but the NBA Finals continue tonight. Game two, Phoenix up one nothing on the Bucks. You can make big bucks, though. Maybe not on the Bucks, but you can make them on mybookie.ag. Sign up for free using the promo code 12 Sports. Win and get paid on mybookie.ag. And as always, up in the corner on the laptop, wearing the shirt today, second string leather company, hashtag crafted from the crease. Guys, you want to smell good? Check out their second string leather balm. It's not, doesn't make you smell like a goalie. Don't worry. Trust me, your wife or your significant other will like it because you'll actually smell clean, which it's not made from goalie equipment, we can assure you. However, if you want something that's made from awesome equipment from the likes of Mike Smith, Darren Pang, Ray Emery, Grant Fjord, Jimmy Howard, check out secondstringleather.com. That's where you'll find the awesome and latest products from Second String Leather Company, hashtag crafted from the crease. And somebody I forgot the last couple times, guys. We have our own swag here on TKS. Check it out, guys. Teespring.com slash store slash the Cule Show with dashes between the and Cule and Show. You can get your favorite t-shirt, a nice little sweater. You can get a toque. You can get a mask if you still need them in some parts of the country or some parts of the world. You can get leggings for your girl. 
I mean, unless you're a guy you like to wear leggings too, that's fine by us. You can get them as well there. Stickers, like I said, all the cool stuff there on teespring.com slash stores slash the dash cool dash show. So, like I said, we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup final. All done. The season is over. The cup has been handed out. And Nikita Kucherov wasted no time in making himself look like, oh, a a wonderful human, I guess is the best way to put it this right now. We'll get that reaction. We talked with Matthew Esfes, like we said, bottom of the hour. And I'll probably be the Montreal Canadiens one in this one here. Now, and like I said, we'll also get to some news as well. Some news that kind of dropped in the middle of the game last night. And we'll start to kind of look at some kind of important dates here. So just kind of letting everyone know, August 2nd is a Monday. It's the Monday after free agency. That will be our last show for a couple weeks because uh, the wife and I got approved for a house and we're going to be trying to move in around that time. So we're going to be a little busy around here, take a couple weeks off, maybe do a show every so often, maybe a random show. I kind of have some cool ideas for maybe a golf podcast, not like golfing, like like actual golf podcast. I mean, like we're talking about hockey while we're playing golf and it won't be just me either either we'll have some cool guests to hang out with but just giving you a heads up on there so you guys aren't like oh my goodness what is happening to the show it's what's gonna happen guys it's okay um so let's get to the big fish the montreal canadians falling to the Tampa bay lightning you know how they lose one nothing last night in game five. It was the only way it was going to end. Five straight, by the way, elimination games, closeout games with a shutout for Andre Vasilevsky and the Tampa Bay Bolts. How fitting that the Montreal Canadiens, who had been knocked for having lack of offense or no offense whatsoever at times, be eliminated via shutout. And the worst part was we're watching the uh, wife and I were watching the game with my grandparents last night. And I, I'm just sitting there like trying to figure out what, to, what to think here. Cause Montreal, the first period they got outplayed, but then again, so did they in game three as well. That's not the worst thing that like, I don't look at that as an awful thing. Cause they got outplayed in the first period of game three or game four Came back, Josh Anderson, pair of goals, concluding the game winner, played a great game. Montreal got their win. The fans went crazy. People got arrested galore outside Santa Bell. It was perfect. It was exactly what how it had to be because they were not going to lose on home ice. They were not, the cup was not going to be lifted in the Bell Center in Montreal by a non-Montreal Canadiens team. So they win game four, dramatic fashion. Chris Cuthbert, great call. Everyone's going bonkers. All 8,000 plus of them. Let's be honest. There was not 3,500 in the Bell Center on Wednesday, guys, or on Monday, excuse me. Let's be honest here. So the game last night happened, starts up, and it's all Tampa. Crowd's going crazy. I'm like, this could be it, guys. We finally get to celebrate with our team for the first time in 17 years. It's been 17 years since they won in 04. Because remember, kids, yes, there was the big boat party in the marina last year, whatever. But they didn't get to watch their team win the cup. In person, it was not capacity filled there at Amelie Arena, but it was part near pretty darn close. But Tampa in that third period, holy cow, did they just bunker things down? 
they shut it down. Nobody got through. It was rough. It was rough to watch because you could tell, like there was that bit of sec in the second period too. After Tampa score, beautiful feed from David Savard to Ross Colton. Almost said Colton Ross. Well, that's how it seemed like it actually would a real name would be, but no, Ross Colton with a beautiful deflection. But Montreal is playing really well in that second period. Tampa kind of had to pick things up defensively in the third, but when they did, oh my gosh. Let me quickly give you the shots here. For some reason, I didn't pull up the box score from the game last night. I had the basic stats. Shots ended up being 22 for the Habitat, which ended up being a 22-save shutout for Andre Vasilevsky, and 29 saves for Carey Price. In that first period, he was outstanding. I literally thought to myself, this is the reason why Montreal could win this game. They were outshot 13-4. to in the first period. Like, my, my grandma's sitting there, I'm like, is Montreal going to do anything? And I'm like, probably not at this point, because they seem so exhausted. Like, when you have a lot, when you win in a game where you're under elimination, when you're going to be possibly eliminated, your season could be over, sometimes a game like that, in game four for Montreal, it just takes so much out of you. Same thing with the Islanders in game six against Tampa. Now, yes, kids, yes, they were down 3-1 to Toronto, but that's the Leafs. It makes total sense that it would happen to the Leafs. But Montreal plays better in the second period. They outshoot them 10-6. to They get a couple of close calls. Vasilevsky has to come up big on a couple nice saves. It's 1-0 heading into the third period, and Tampa's like, we are not losing this stupid hockey game. Eight shots on goal for Montreal. That's all they could get when they were trying to tie it. They pulled the goalie late, had a couple of good looks, nothing doing. Tampa wins their third Stanley Cup by a score of one to nothing. If you're a Montreal, it's, you know, it's weird. Because I'm trying to relate to the Montreal fan base here because they actually made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. They were within three wins of it, but they couldn't get it done. And it's a mixture of, you know what? Hey, you made it there. This team that was that underperformed, well, I'd say probably formed expectations, actually, probably during the regular season, and then maybe punched above their weight class through the playoffs, beat a, a pretty good Vegas team still, even though they handled him. Even, like I said, it was a six-game series, but well, what point did Vegas look like the superior team? Maybe game one. Maybe game one. I wonder... What Montreal does moving forward, because, man, Carey Price, after that, there were two people that I focused on. Obviously, Shea Weber was the big one. All of his teammates going up to him after, while they're waiting for Tampa to do the handshake line. Because Shea Weber's been in this league, guys, for a long time. Spent a lot of hard years there in Nashville, and unfortunately, when he got traded, that's when Nashville went to the finals with P.K. Subban on the blue line. And Weber had never gotten that chance. This was his chance, and... You knew going into this series that the Habs were going to be in tough. Tougher than they were against Vegas. Tougher when they played the Leafs. Winnipeg, for some reason, stuck in the middle like, okay, yeah, that could have been, that's the team that Montreal had a good chance to beat. That seemed like a pretty on paper good guess. However, every other team they faced in this postseason, they've been outmatched. However, Tampa was just far and above the talent level of the Montreal Canadiens. They got a lot to look at here, but Weber getting his first chance and knowing that this may be his only chance. Carey Price. Yes, this was not his best series. And I know I've mentioned it 
probably every show that we've talked about the Canadians in these playoffs, Kyle Bacoskis, what did he say, kids, from Hockey Night in Canada? The Habs are going to go as far as Carey Price will take them. Unfortunately, he did all he could. I don't blame him for the loss here in the finals. His team in front of him just faltered, and that was the downfall for this hockey club. They only gave up, this team only gave up, by the way, Montreal did. They only gave up two power play goals to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They held them to 0 for 8 in the last two games. I couldn't think of what the actual full number is. I didn't look that up. But they only allowed two power play goals for Tampa. That's all they allowed. That right there is a stat showing that this team was good. This team could have done it, guys. Unfortunately, that game two hurt them. That game two loss where they played their best game, just too many dumb giveaways, and Andre Vasilevsky playing a really good game. Cons my trophy winner, Andre Vasilevsky, by the way. And that's where it just seemed like they were not going to win. Even when they won game four, it's like, there's no way they can win four straight against Tampa. And by the way, guys, Tampa has not lost back-to-back playoff games since getting swept by Columbus. Two playoff years strong. They have not lost back-to-back games in the playoffs. It's incredible. It's... I, I don't know how to describe it, how good this Tampa team was, but just knowing that Montreal could have possibly done it, that's the scary part in this whole thing of how good this team was through the playoffs, and Mark Bergevin came out and said, this was the team, like, if we could get in the playoffs... We can make some noise. We saw it last year in 2020. They ran into a good Philly team in the first round, but they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in the qualifying round. This year, they just got to get in. Well, they got in. Well, they limped in pretty much. Now they got Toronto. They're down 3-1, and then seven straight wins. Made quick work of Winnipeg. Mark Scheifele is out of... Listen, Mark Scheifele could have been in the lineup. You saw he when he was in the lineup in game one against Montreal. Not a factor. Montreal handled Winnipeg. They dropped game one then to win or Vegas. And like, oh man, here we go. Vegas is going to come out and beat the heck out. And then Montreal's like, uh, sorry, friend, uh, we can beat you guys. And they did in six games. Unfortunately, they couldn't get the ball rolling against Tampa. They couldn't keep it rolling. The crazy stat that I still look at, this team went one and six this postseason when they did not score first when they were scored on first this is not this was not a team that was built to chase a game back and try to come back and win a hockey game the only time they did that was in the series against Vegas I think that was the game three win however they were 12 and two when they scored first as soon as Ross Colton scores that goal in the second period we may as well have just brought the cup out and that's not a thing of saying, of, of saying that Montreal is not resilient. I'm not saying that. It's just that they are not the best at chasing the game. And that's when it really felt like Tampa has this in the bag. It was a one-goal game. It was a zero-goal game for half, one-goal game for the final half, and it just never felt like a game where Montreal is going to come back. And I feel so bad for Carey Price because this, this was his chance. I understand, guys. Yes, there is next year. There is a chance to do it again. 
but they have to go back to the Atlantic next year. That's going to have Tampa in it four times. Boston, while who knows what the situation with the goaltending is going to be. Yes, they're going to be a year older. They're still going to be Boston. Toronto, playoff failures, still a good team in the regular season four times. Detroit, they're going to be a little bit tougher. They're not going to be good. They may not be a playoff team, but they'll be tougher. Buffalo, well, Buffalo is Buffalo. But the team everyone's going to be worried about is the Ottawa Senators, or at least to not take lightly. That The Atlantic Division next year, guys, is going to be terrifying. Heck, there were two Atlantic Division teams in the finals this year. Yes, yes, I get it. They came from separate divisions. Yeah, that's how it worked out this year. But I'm just saying, guys, that is how tough it's going to be for Montreal. They still need to sign, guys. They still have the expansion draft. Philip Deneau is a guy that they're going to have to sign, I know for sure. We get to a couple signings here in just a minute, by the way. Let me scroll down, scroll down. Montreal. Shockingly enough, Seattle Kraken has just about a full thing of cap. As I'm here on Cap Friendly. Where the heck is Montreal? I know they weren't that high up, are they? Where in the blue blazing are the... Can- there they are. Right in the, right in the middle of it. Stay, all right, I got a stinking effect. There we go. Okay. So here's what Montreal's looking at this year. You got Gallagher, who, by the way, had a, gosh, that injury that he suffered late in the game did not look good. You have Anderson for a few years, which is awesome. That 5.5 may look bad towards the end there, but you could tell Josh Anderson was going to be a player and now he's going to be a key player. For this hockey club, Tyler Tafoy's got a few years left. Paul Byron, you, I know Paul Byron's making three point four, but you could tell he's also a guy that you need. You have Cole Caulfield for two more years on his ELC. You got one more of Suzuki, one more of Jake Evans, which is going to be a problem because Nick Suzuki, like those two, I know Montreal fans do not want me to make a Leafs connection here, but if there's a way to describe Matthews and Marner. Montreal-esque, that's those two right there. Caulfield with his scoring touch. Boy, oh my goodness. Nick Suzuki. Oh my goodness, guys. He's a one of the going to be one of the best two-way centers in this league in probably two or three years. He may be a Selkie candidate next year if he plays like he did in the postseason for an 82-game year. My goodness, guys. The Pro Hockey Riders Association, as big of a joke as they were this year, they're going to have an easy time picking the Selkie. My goodness. it's It's incredible, but here's what they got. Yes, Corey Perry's a UFA. Who knows that? That could be another cheap minimum wage contract. Yoel Armia, your best penalty killer, one of you, and a skilled penalty killer, albeit. Philip Deneau. He, yes, he. I get it. He only scored one goal his entire postseason. You can't tell me, though, that he was the best set, first or second. Like, he is the, your second line center. I don't know how to describe it. He's excellent in your own zone, but you and you need him in the lineup. He is so vital to the success of the Canadians. He may not be the most offensively gifted guy, but if he can play in your defensive zone and still create offense the other way by using certain intangibles, absolutely, you need to keep him. How much, though, is the question. Eric Stahl, you picked him up at the deadline. Is that another one? Do you really want to keep that? Tomas Tatar's UFA, but it seems like he's on the way out. But obviously, at the big two big ones, you have Kakanyemi, who is a regular RFA, no ARB rights, but Arturi Lekkinen does. Winger with arbitration rights, RFA. 
Also on defense, you have John Merrill and Eric Gustafson. I, I don't know if you want to keep Merrill. Gustafson, you probably want to keep around. Goaltending, you're locked up for a couple more years because you have Carey Price till the end of time, Jake Gallon for a couple more years. So you have the majority of them there, but you need, because you obviously need to start focusing, getting ready for Suzuki and Suzuki's extension and Evans possibly extension. Evans obviously won't be the same big bucks like it will be for Suzuki. But if you want to keep the core and the important pieces, you're going to have to try to convince the players to stay. Cause boy, this is going to be a good hockey. This can be a good hockey team for a while. I just don't know if they can do it again. Like there's an honestly good chance guys. Like when I saw that this run, I just was getting deja vu. Not just because of the fact that Tampa beat or Tampa won the Stanley cup in six games or five games. No, six last year, five this year. Sorry. But it's also because of the fact that they won beating a team that I would not be shocked if they missed the playoffs next season. Dallas was the exact same way. They rode a hot goaltender, Anton Udobin. He had Yoel Kiviranta being like this great almighty player. Rupe Hintz was looking like a young up-and-coming guy. Jamie Benn was, was an offensive production, but boy, he was, he was the leader. He was the Shea Weber of this hockey club. I would not be shocked if Montreal missed the playoffs next year, guys. That is where it's so deep and so tough right now. And, oh, look, hey, he's trying to get on already. All right, we're going to take a break, though, folks. When we come back, I know the screen's kind of dark for a second. When we come back, we're going to have the guy that's trying to get in the chat right now, Matthew Estevez, here on the Kilo Show here on 12 Hour Sports. We'll be back right after this. And welcome back to the Kulo Show, everyone, here for this last Thursday edition of the season. I know, guys, it's sad. It's fun doing these Thursday shows, one hours, but we got to end it somehow because we need to wrap up the Stanley Cup Finals talk. And I know I was given the, the eulogy for the Canadians, but now we must talk about the victors, the ones that did the thing again for the third time in their history, the Tampa Bay Lightning are Stanley Cup champions. And with that, we need to we need to talk to someone that knows a thing or two about this team. We already had him once out in the playoffs, but he was so good. We got to bring him back again. He writes for Raw Charge on SB Nation, covering the Bolts and all their awesome stuff every single day. I already put up one article today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. None other than Matthew Estevez. Matthew, how you doing today, sir? I'm good, Tyler. How about you? Well, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was kind of, I, I, I'm indifferent. I'm happy for a few of the guys on the team. Because <laughs> I, you know... As happy as I am for the Bolts to go back-to-back, only the second team, by the way, to do it in the salary cap era, I, you know, I'm a Carey Price guy. Always have been a Carey Price fan, and seeing him sad makes me sad. It doesn't, it didn't make me feel good. And But the Bolts do it again. What is your, I mean, we saw your post today on Raw Charge there on SB Nation. Folks, go check it out. We'll be sure to put it in the description of this video and your favorite podcatcher. But what is your reaction to Tampa doing it again? Elation, a bit of surprise because, of course, you want your team to win back-to-back cups. That's that's neither here nor there. But just the sheer daunting task of pulling it off is something that you don't expect to like happen when you're trying to be like realistic. If you're just being a diehard fan, of course you're going to sit there and say "ooh about it," but. Like if you're trying to cover the team, you have to be like pretty realistic about being like and be like, you know, 
yeah, we brought back majority of the same exact team, but we had a lot of things go our way in the 2020 playoffs. It was also a very strange 2020 playoffs. Um, and a matter of, you know, a lot of the performances that happened in, the, in last season's playoffs, will that be re uh, repeated? And for a lot of the players, it was. It just shows how good this team really is. I mean, we what we swapped out, what, Kevin Shattenkirk's gone, Cedric Paquette is gone, Zach Bogosian's gone. In their spot is essentially Voss Colton or Matthew Joseph and David Savard. That's, oh, and Mitchell Stevens, sorry, but Mitchell Stevens was there last season. And that's literally all that changed for this team. Obviously, Kutrov was gone for the entire regular season, but just, it's, the immediate, the, the immediate aftermath is complete elation, but then you sit back and you think about it, you're just like, oh my God, they, 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 they did the thing. <laughs> like, they did the thing, twice. What, was it better now, and this was, I think, the thing, and this is why, I wanted to get the Tampa mayor on so bad for this show because I'm like, if we, because if it, it could have gone all sorts of sideways, Matthew, you know that hockey gods oh, yeah. are awful oh, yeah. individuals and awful beings. So instead, I hope Montreal wins tonight. And it's hilarious that she had to go out in a press conference before the game yesterday and said, I didn't ask for Tampa to lose. I asked for Montreal to win because those are two very different things, people. But <laughs> I, is it better though that they won it on home ice, especially given the fact that last year, we weren't, they weren't able to celebrate it watching them win the cup on ice. Yes, there was the big massive boat party, but not as many, like no one was able to be in the arena. So was it better to see people at Amelie celebrating with the team? Oh, absolutely it was. I mean, you'd like for them to complete the sweep just to really put an emphatic stamp on it. But I mean, anyone who watched that series knew that Tampa was going to win that series. That was, that was an overmatched opponent in Montreal. And the fact that we won it in front of, of, of the fan base is fantastic um the fact that those players could actually feel what it's like to win a cup in front of you know their fan base like the like our first team did no four is is special in and of itself and of course i mean for christ's sake who doesn't love seeing their team win a sailing cup on home ice like that that that's the picturesque thing that you always want for your team yeah you want them to go you want them to get to the final and no matter what game it is game if you're if you're the higher seed game five or game seven if you're the away team game four or six win the whole damn thing right there in your arena so it's just it's just i wouldn't call it bragging rights but it's just it's a certain level of prestige about it i guess you can say or just aura about how it's like really special to win the cup on home ice it was the first time since 2015 since it happened as well a team that won mm -hmm. my chicago did it back then and you know i think dave randorf on hockey central today i think he said it was only the fifth time in the last 14 years that it's happened on home ice i yep. think dating back to when the ducks did it back in 07 it's yep. it's it's a different kind of feeling because you know growing up as a wings fan because i would say oh and the leafs won the cup yeah that's never a thing um but i wasn't alive for i was not alive for 90 or i was alive for 97 but i wasn't i was two years old i didn't really much remember i remember the 98 cup run but I, they won it in washington so o2 was special watching them win it at the joe it was it's fun because 20,000, because that was back when Detroit sold out and legitimately sold out every single night. And 20,000 plus standing room at the Joe, losing their minds, even though they were destined to beat Carolina anyways. Carolina should not even have been there in the finals that year. But it's it's just a different feeling. Just the immediate, they won the cup, party time in Tampa. Uh, man, it's it, the whole city's been just elated that's that's the best way to put it they're just enjoying the ride right now like they understand this is this is special 
You yeah. know, my, my piece my piece today was basically talking about how the Lightning solidified their legacy, how they could be argued as one of the best teams in the salary cap era, and they're up there with the Blackhawks with their three cups, the Penguins with their three cups, and the Kings with their two cups. Um, and honestly, they're probably it's probably between them and and the Penguins since it's just those two teams who have repeated in the salary cup era, you know. Yeah. And shoot, I mean. They're the only two teams to do it the past 25 years, like since those wings in the late nineties, like yeah. that is a feat. It's, and I, you know, it's funny that there was a, a talk a couple people today. I'm like, Oh, but Pittsburgh was so good. I'm like, name me a Pittsburgh defenseman that year where that was not Ron Hainsey and Chris Letang. Like their defense was so bad. Like Tampa from front to back, top to bottom was out. Like they were stacked. The only reason why I think they, and this is, and people are like, this team finished third in the central. How could they have done it all? I'm like, listen, this is a franchise that went from, all right, we need to be successful in the regular season to be considered a threat in the playoffs, Matthew. But now they're like, just get in the playoffs and then we'll just kick your teeth in for the next four rounds. Well, it's also, they didn't have Nikita Khrushchev for the entire season. And like, I still feel like people are underestimating how, like he is the central offensive piece for that entire team. He showed it on the power play. He showed it at 5v5. Nikita Kucherov is the best player on this hockey team, period. It's, it's cut and dry. And not having him there, it's, I mean, it's, it's a testament to how well-built the Lightning are. They can lose a literal Hart Trophy candidate yeah. and a Hart Trophy winner. And they can still just keep winning. And they, I mean, they were all, within the last, like, I think, 10 to 12 days of the regular season, they were still in there to get first place in the division. They just didn't really play that great to close the season on against Florida. And then Carolina and Florida, you know, took the top two spots in the division. It just, that's how it breaks. But at the same point, when you're Tampa and you're that deep and you're getting so, and you're getting players like Kucherov and Stankos back for the playoffs, it's just like, all right, boys, let's go. Let's get it done. And I, it's, he, I, I'll be honest with you. Andre Vazilevsky gets the Smythe trophy. Do you think it's because Kucherov, and of course, Braden Point, who didn't score a goal in the finals either. Like, is it because he did not put up any big numbers in the finals that Kucherov got overlooked? Because Kucherov was my vote. He, I mean, he had 32 points for goodness sakes, Matthew. And I know Vasilevsky had a big game too there, but I, I look at Vasilevsky the same way I kind of give it the treatment towards, you know, and this is gonna be an old reference here, but Kenny Dryden back in the 70s with Montreal. Yes, Kenny Dryden was a good goaltender, great goaltender, but. Look at the team in front of him. These, he should be really good. I just think Kucherov was such a big part of this team that he should have been the Consmite Trophy winner. Me personally, and I, I said this numerous times, I felt like he should have been Kucherov just due to the fact that he literally has done something that only two other players have done in NHL history, and their names are Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. I'm sorry, but if you're literally in that same sentence as those guys at, at, pressure, at such a high pressure time as, as the final, I'm sorry, but that you got to get the nod there. But Vasilevsky has been absolutely stellar. I know that our de- that Tampa's defense is exceptionally strong, and we made Montreal look, in uh, lack of a better phrase, we, make, we made them look boring and ineffective offensively. We basically kept them in straight lines and didn't allow them to really move laterally in the offense. It, well, their offense on our defensive zone. Like, we made Montreal look bad. Like that, oh, yeah. that's how good Tampa's defense was. But at the same point, let's also remember, you know, Montreal did get some good looks. And when we needed to save, who was there? Yeah. Andre Vasilevsky. And then the fact that the dude just, he's literally a cold-blooded killer in, in elimination games. I mean, 
good lord, his his record in elimination games and after we lose is otherworldly. So in, in my well, they mind, haven't lost like, it. Yes. They haven't lost back to back games in the playoffs since Columbus in, in 2019. Yeah. In two years, we haven't lost we haven't lost back to back games, and it's just that's due to Vasilevsky. And the team has always said this, that Vasilevsky is their anchor, and he very much is. Which is why, to me, I'm just like it's well deserved. Like he deserves it. Does Kucherov deserve it as well? Yes, he does. But I'm not going to split hairs here between those two because they're both deserving, and I can honestly understand both arguments for yeah. both of them. Now, we'll, so the two are tied together here, and we'll get to the big fish, the big elephant in the room with Kucherov here in a second. <laughs> but the report that came out today is the speculation that we've all talked about pretty much for this entire series, dating back to the Islander series, cracked, possibly fractured rib with Nikita Kucherov. Oh, it's cracked. It's cracked. It's cracked. cracked. And it's funny. Everyone's like, I found, I, I found out the day after that happened. Well, because I heard I, I heard through the through the grapevine that it was a cracked rib, and we were we, there was, I know Kucherov said he was going to play Game Seven, but like like Cooper said in his press game conference after Game Seven against New York, there was some legitimate worry, yeah, about if he could play. And the thing, because it's 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 the most hockey player mentality ever. It's I can uh, can I breathe, can I breathe enough to skate? Sure. And yes, he he was not the same Kucherov in the finals, and he was the first three rounds and. Now, and this is my big question because people are going to go, oh my gosh, here comes the cat turpin Benjamin again. But does he need surgery is the big question. Or is this going to be able, because it's a quick, it's still a quick off season here. Do they have to wait for him to heal naturally? Or is he going to have to go under the knife again with this? Uh, we'll probably wait to hear from what the team says. But if it's a crack during and he was able to play through it at that point, as long as he didn't make it any worse, which we don't know, honestly, we'll see. Um, unless it punctured something, I think he'll be okay. Right. Um, if it's just a, if it's just a fractured rib, just some rest, and don't do anything strenuous, and, and it'll heal. It, I mean, it'll be a pain in the ass to heal, but it'll heal. Um, but as long as he didn't puncture anything, he's probably gonna be fine for next season. Um, and besides, even even if he did need surgery, he probably would fight tooth and nail to play anyway. I know he was pretty irritated about missing the regular season anyway. Um, but I mean, even regardless of the cap circumvention thing, it's just, it's such low hanging fruit that people don't even actually understand the intricacies of the entire thing. It's just a, it's just a tired beaten narrative, which is like, there were 18 million over the cap. I'm like, dude, they literally came back with the same exact roster. The only reason they were quote unquote 18 over the cap is because, Oh, look how many, fuck, yeah, look how many freaking dead contracts they have. Marion yeah. Marion Ga- Anders Nielsen. Like the only real thing that they had on there that they, that they didn't have to get charged for was Kucherov's cap it, which even if he did come back, like they'd still only have to do a fraction of his cap hit to begin with due to his injury. Right. And we would have, and, and Tampa was already trying to make steps to move someone anyway, which was Tyler Johnson in the off season. So it's like, like we literally came back with basically the same exact team, except without Sh- Kevin Shattenkirk, Carter Verhage, and Cedric Paquette. So three guys right there, the most impactful ones, Kevin Shattenkirk. Yeah. You're really, you're really going to tell me that if that you're telling me that lightning team still can't make a run. Of course they can. That team is unbelievably stacked. And so it's, it's nothing more than just crying for crying. And the thing is what bothers me is like, it's not even Montreal fans that are complaining about it. It's every other fan base that wants to like cry wolf about this rule. I'm like, y'all didn't, y'all barely said anything in 2015 when the Hawks did it. And we were one of the two teams that said we should close this loophole. And what did everyone else say? No, no, it's okay. We won't worry about it. Well, all right. Well, don't get mad at the lightning or any other team that is using every single avenue possible to feel the ice the best team they possibly can. Get get mad at the league for allowing something like that can happen instead of getting mad, getting mad at the Lightning for 
using a loophole that every single team in the league should be using. You know, I it's so funny when people complain about this because I'm a Leafs fan, and there's probably you could probably do massive loopholes to figure it out with the Toronto Maple Leafs or whatever. And I get that, but a lot of the teams that have the problems with it, Matthew, I'm pretty sure if you realize this, it's the teams that can't afford to pay 18 mil over the cap. And I and I love that's why when Dougie Hamilton said that at the end of the second round, and I said. It doesn't help that Tommy Dundon doesn't want to pay people. That's like, that's my thing is like, and yeah, and look at teams like Arizona. They'll never be able to compete with that because they, they may have talent, but they just, no one wants to go play there because they're not going to be able to pay him. Dallas is on the waiver on the same thing. Florida is heading towards that area eventually with the end of Barkov and Huberto's contracts eventually and whatnot. And Carter Verhage, if he keeps producing, he's going to want a buck or two. Like it's those kind of franchises, like they're mad, but I'm like, and the salary cap's the same for everybody. Just pay your players, and then you could do the finagling that Tampa's able to do. Look, there are numerous teams that do it every single year. You know, the only reason it's a big deal because it was Kucherov. If it was somebody else, like if it was Alex Kalorn, Luke Shen, Luke Shen, no one would literally give a damn. But because it was Nikita Kucherov. It's all of a sudden like the, the, the sanctity, and all of a sudden the cup was tainted, dude. Like the fact that he came in, oh yeah, oh yeah, he's fresh. But we always make we. But the thing is, is like they do this, they do this ridiculous argument and don't actually use any logic behind it. Where it's like when a guy comes back from just a regular injury, you know, they're just like, oh, is he going to be up to speed? Because you know, you sit out for a while, you're not used to NHL speed, and practice doesn't doesn't get you there. The fact that Kucherov comes back and is literally the same exact player that he was before the injury is astounding. Yeah. He didn't miss a beat. And that tells you something about him as a player, that the man's a maniac. He's highly competitive and just, like, not everyone can do that. If it was Stamkos, like, even Stamkos wasn't even all the way back to 100% when he first came back in the playoffs. I mean, yes, he scored some goals, but, I mean, when you get fed pucks from Victor Hedman and Kucherov and you're Steven Stamkos, I mean, swing and go. Yes. So it's just like, they, 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 you, you, you can't have it both ways. Like you have to marvel at the fact that the dude comes back after not playing since they won the cup. And it's like, oh, it's okay, guys. I'm just going to play at a hard trophy level again because I'm Nikita Kucherov. Screw you. Like that's absurd. Is Nikita Kucherov, and this is going to make some Caps fans start to have their eye twitch because he's a UFA this year. Is Kucherov the best Russian in the league? Oh, he's, he's, he's the best Russian in the league. Okay. He's been the he's been the best Russian in the league for probably the past two three years. Don't tell Vasilevsky that. <laughs> I mean, they're both in the same team, and you can honestly, I mean, I, I would say overall the past three maybe four years it's been Kucherov. Um, Vasilevsky, ever since last postseason, he has forced himself into that argument because there were moments bef- before the Cup run last year where Vasilevsky, you know, he struggled. He yep. struggled at, at weird moments. Um, and I wrote something year, a few years ago where, like, he, he for some reason had a hard time tracking pucks from out far, and now he's having he, now he doesn't have that issue anymore. So he's absolutely elevated himself. He's absolutely in that conversation. But if we're talking overall in the past few years, it's Kucherov. Yeah, Russian wise. This and this is not disrespect to Ovechkin. Ovechkin is the greatest Russian player of all time until Kucherov passes him in, in career achievements and everything like that. But like, if we're talking about the immediacy right now, it's Kucherov as the best Russian. Yeah, and it's he's been a dominant force. He's going to continue to be, but I think what's going to solidify his legacy is that press conference after the game last night. Oh, boy. He comes out. So here's the thing. I it was on Twitter, and I have autoplay set off, so my phone started blaring out random sounds. 
And all of a sudden, I look at the, my phone. I'm scrolling through at the end of the night. And all of a sudden, I, I'm like, is that Burt Kreishner on my <laughs> at the press conference? Like, the Burt, the machine, has his shirt off and everything. And I'm like, what in the blue heck is going on? And I turn it on. And the first thing he says uh, was uh, Joe Smith of The Athletic. What you got, Joe? Bring it on. And I'm like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. This is because Kucherov, maybe it's because it's a language thing. Maybe it's because he's just wanted to be he's a quiet guy. He comes out here. Like a Bud Light can't. You're telling me though that the Tampa Bay Lightning can't afford good beer for these guys. They have to come out with Bud Light. Like I said on. the same. I said the same thing last year when they won the cup. I was like, yeah, like out of all beer, you give them Bud Light. Come really? on, really? And no, no. Here's a little thing about Kucherov. Kucherov doesn't drink. All right, he just doesn't drink. The man is maniacal about his fitness, and keeping his body in shape. So he just doesn't drink. And so last year's cup win and this year's cup winner, like the like, that's when he drinks. That's when he just lets go and just and just lets loose. And he's he's rightfully earned a reputation for being prickly and, and kind of crusty to talk to because yeah. he just doesn't talk. Like just just look at the um, you know look at the press conference after Game Seven against the Islanders, a radio press conference that he was in in this Stanley Cup Final before Game Five. He's subdued, he's quiet, he's very to the point, everything like that. Drunk Kucherov, oh boy, drunk Kucherov's like your crazy uncle at, at a party and just like woohoo, I'm ready. You know he completely lets go. We actually see his actual personality come out. And oh boy, did he just let it go. And it was absolute just hilarity. It it's gonna be up there for all time's sake. And I you know what's funny, because I I have my moments of being an old school hockey guy. So like whenever there's non-calls for cross checks in the playoffs, I'm like, come on, guys. But it's all the people that are harping on him, like, how could he be so dumb or so immature? And I'm like, this is we're about to be on TNT here in the United States. This is what we need to compete with the NBA. We need guys like this. This is, but it, it was entertaining. It was fun. And people that are harping on it, I, like I said, this is maybe my my youthful side of this. I'm like, that's fun to watch. He didn't, you know, say anything that's gonna, you know, yes, the Habs will get will address the Montreal thing here in a second. But it's like, it's not like he said anything that was provocative or. No, on PC, he just—he was a happy guy. Called out a different team, promote, you know, talked about his teammates in great, great glory, and yeah, he was bearded up a little bit. But we've all been there. The, this sport infuriates me with how the same people who piss and moan about the whole oh hockey players don't show their personality i wonder why they don't show their personality because the moment they do a guy literally kucherov's a hall of famer for christ's sake probably he's yeah literally just won his second consecutive stanley cup he is literally on cloud nine he does not give two dams what any of us think like he is just having the best time of his life and he didn't even say anything that controversial like he brought up the vesta thing which you could honestly reason with his argument about the Vesna thing. Oh yeah. You know? And then he brings up the Montreal fan thing. And it's just like, well, I mean, it's his opinion. He could say this. It's not like he called them like dumb or anything like that. He just said, Oh, they, they celebrated their game four win. I mean, whatever. I, I've seen WWE promos that. that have been more personal than that. Yeah. It's like, it wasn't even, it wasn't even that bad. It's like, guys, chill out. Like, my God, what are we a bunch of like, soiled babies here like we cry about they're not showing their personality and then the moment they do we clutch our pearls like oh, no you're sacred hey, get over yourself like come on it's just unbelievable like it was it was hilarious it's memorable and and, and yes montreal should be upset because like hey they called our he called our fans up. okay you'll handle it on the ice but at this and this has been said by a, a few other podcasts as well like you need villains in yep. sports 
And sometimes you just do it, you just you just need to embrace being the villain. And Kutrov has kind of embraced being the villain. You know, he's earned a reputation for being crusty. He's a greasy, greasy player on the ice. Like he does some nasty things behind the player to some players that don't get called all the time. So many star players do that. People like that's oh, why yeah. you have to be at a game to watch how dumb some of the uh, not saying how dumb, but like how many star players like slash it behind the play, like in between the benches. Like I, I rip on Pierre Maguire all the time. That guy got to watch so much. That guy gets to watch so much fun stuff happen all the time. And he's like, I can't say that this guy did that because I can't say that Alex and Ovechkin just went between the legs of X player here. It's, it's a culture problem in the sport that's rooted in an old school traditional mentality that needs to die because it does nothing to help the game grow in general. Um, and it just it just makes players just want to say, okay, I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna say I'm just not gonna say anything. You know, you just get basic quotes out of me, and then you'll sit there still. Like, oh, they never say anything interesting. We just get pucks in deep, boys. Pucks in deep, pucks in net with rock games, yeah. And, and that well, and I I admit I did not make it that far, but I had interview opportunities when I played, and I just never. And as much as I am a talkative person, yes, I do this. I broadcast. I I seem pretty outgoing. I would never want to do that because you get asked, well, how's how's the team playing? just lost four in a row but uh you know we're but we're trying really hard we got the right guys in there we just gotta uh, uh, we gotta bunker things down no because you're not gonna have a guy come out and say we suck guys we lost four in a row we got our teeth kicked in it's not like it's see that's why like sometimes nascar can be fun because if a guy wrecks or whatever like those are my fun interviews whenever i work at the racetrack up here guy gets in a big wreck oh that microphone is getting in front of his face because this is gonna be fun <laughs> but like that's the thing and in, in hockey i you want it to get better but going to, you know, some of the context he went into, Andre Vasilevsky missing out on the Vez. I'd like to hear your take here, Matthew, because I, I, I'm okay with Flurry winning because there were a couple of years that Flurry was really good in the regular season, but got overlooked by someone that was a little bit better. And yes, he played, and you know, some of his good years was when Carey Price was really coming along and playing well. And, and Tim Thomas was looking good and Pecorini while he was a candidate, he kind of was able to push him aside. But Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the NHL, and I don't think anyone's questioning that. It was more or less an achievement award for Marc-Andre Fleury this year. I mean, you could view it that way, but at the same point, I mean, I said this too on Twitter. I was just like, it was a well-deserved win for Fleury because Fleury did have an exceptionally good season. And, like, if you really want to, like, split hairs, I mean, I'm pretty sure Fleury edged him out and goal saved above expected. Yeah. So if you want to go in that sense, yeah. In my opinion... The biggest crime is the fact that Vasilevsky was left off two or three ballots. That to me is like the bigger issue is like, how do you like, how can you literally watch this entire season and not think Vasilevsky was, let's be honest, Grubauer has no business being in this conversation. Like it was literally between Fleury and Vasilevsky. Yeah. And the fact that some GMs for some ridiculous reason thought Vasilevsky didn't deserve to be on that ballot is unbelievably, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just, Asinine? I think you could. Yeah, ass, thank you, yeah, thank you, yeah. thank you. It's, it's it's absolutely asinine. And like whoever those GMs are, like you really need to check your player evaluation skills because that's embarrassing. Like it, it, it was a two horse race all season, especially once Hellbuck fell out of the race midway through the season. You know, yeah. I, I still don't, I don't agree with Grubauer being in there whatsoever. I didn't think Grubauer was one of the best goaltenders in the league. I thought he was good, but he wasn't. He wasn't the best. In the he was on, he was on a good. He was on a President's Trophy winning team. Well, I mean, so was I mean. Vegas and Tampa were in the running for that too, but like Flurry and Vasilevsky did the most when it came to what a goaltender is supposed to do for their teams. And you could you can make the argument for either one. 
is, yeah. is my point I'm trying to get across. My issue is more so those GMs who didn't put Vasilevsky on the ballot whatsoever, because that to me is a bigger uh, storyline than anything else. Well, Brian Burke always put it the best way. There's no reason why us GM, because this is, you know, Brian Burke, former general manager, now hockey ops of uh, Pittsburgh. He said, we should not vote on goaltenders. We know nothing about, we know nothing about goaltenders. And and like, there should be like an honest to goodness, like that should be, I don't want to say that should be like a Ted Lindsay war where the players vote because, you know, player, even players don't even know goaltending that well. Like there's gotta be a different way. And I want to say that pro hockey writers should be allowed to do it. But then again, they voted Adam Fox to be the best defenseman this year. And that's just, I, I don't know. It's almost like I, I think the fo- I thought the Fox vote was perfectly fine. I don't. I th- I still think you know this is not just me sucking up to you know the Bolts guy here, but it's I still think Victor Hedman was the best defenseman this year in the National Hockey League. He uh, was he was effect- he was effective with whatever is hampering him right now in the finals. Like, abs- no, no, no. You're absolutely right. He was. But at the same point, given what given that we've seen peak Hedman, like in the playoffs last year, when he actually did win his Norris Trophy, um, we know what peak Hedman. And he wasn't peak Hedman this season. And that's not to say Hedman was bad. Like, he had bad moments, obviously, last season, especially in the back half before the playoffs started. In the start of the playoffs, he still wasn't that great. But at the end of the Florida series, all the way to the cup final, we got good Hedman. We didn't get great Hedman. We got good Hedman, which good Hedman is still phenomenal. Yeah. Um, But at the same point, I feel like the Norris has become a bit too much of of a reputation trophy. Um, And we need to start focusing a bit more on the fact that it's it's these trophies are for microcosms of of this particular season you know and let's be honest fox and mccarr were absolutely stellar this season they really were um and we have to reward that to some capacity and this isn't to say that headman wasn't good i think i still think Hedman was a top 10 defenseman in the league this year norris trophy caliber i would probably say not i, w- I would have rather had mcavoy in there because i thought mcavoy had a really good season yeah um but at the same point i can understand your perspective in the sense of, but it's Victor Hedman. He can literally do it all. And you're absolutely right. I just think our, our, our entire mindset kind of needs to shift a tiny little bit in the future um, to focus more on how this season is going, not necessarily focusing on, well, he won it before and he's still really good, but he's just not as good as he was, you know, as you expect him to be. And that's kind of what Hedman falls into this season. He was good, just not as good as we expected him to be because of the injury and just inconsistent play. It happens, you know? Yeah. That's kind of something that just happens. I mean, next season Fox might have just a rough season. It happens. Right. You know, does that does that devalue his pre, his Norris? No, absolutely not. Just like PK Subban. PK Subban is not the guy he was before. But does it does that devalue PK Subban's uh, Norris trophies in the past? No, absolutely not. Same thing with Eric Carlson because yeah. they, they have to we have to take them in that microcosm of just that season. You know. Right. Yeah. Now, of course, if you're constantly in the conversation, that matters. Yeah. And and that's where your perspective of like how you feel Hedman should still be up there has a lot of weight to it right because that just shows how good you are consistently now my thing is and the reason why i wouldn't have picked mccarr is because mccarr he's a good defenseman he's a great offensive weapon he's a good defenseman and i've been under the inclination like and i've had many conversations with other people with this because adam fox had great offensive numbers he had i think it was 47 points this year off the top of my head but it's like I think they should do with a, with a lot of junior leagues up in Canada is they have a defenseman of the year award and an offensive defenseman of the year award. Like, I'm on board with that. That would because it would separate it and make sort of like all right, Kale like, a, McCarr, like a you, like a Norris and an Orr. Norris and an Orr. Here's the thing though, Orr was actually a good defenseman though too. Like, I know, I know, but we, we, <laughs> no, we also your can't point, deny yeah. that that Orr is like 
arguably the most prolific offensive defenseman to ever play the game. 146 points. I, it's bonkers. It's still the most ludicrous uh, thing I've ever nuts. seen. Nuts. Nuts. But let's get back to this team before we start yelling about, you know, who should, what should we name trophies after here? Vasil, <laughs> you know, Vasilevsky, by the way, forgot to mention this, five shutouts this year in this playoff year. Three of them, obviously, in clinching games as well, or four, excuse me. Do you, and so the the all-time record in one playoff is Broder with seven in 03. 06, or not, with six in 2002 is Dominic Hoshik when he won with Detroit. Could you name the three goaltenders that Vasilevsky is tied with at five? There's a bunch that have four, but there's three others that oh. he is tied with at five in one playoff year. Oh, I I saw that tweet. Crap. I will give you I'll give you a hint. Okay. Two of them were the same year, and one of them was actually the same year as Brodeur. But that probably should give it away. Oh God, who played for oh same year as Bertura was when they played Anaheim for the final. Was that, oh, God, who was the goaltender for Anaheim that season? Was that Jaguar? Yep. Jaguar had Jaguar. five. Jaguar. Yep. Jaguar and, wait, both of them were the same year? The other two were the same year. So Jaguar and, oh, or no, or no, or no, 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 no. So those, but sorry, Jaguar was with Bertura, but the other two were a different year, but they were in the same year together. I don't know. Mika Kippersov. Oh four and, and Nikolai Habibulin each had five. Yeah, oh, I don't think did I for, did I Hab- forgot how, I forgot Hobby had freaking uh, had five that year. Well, because Hab, uh, of course, that was don't forget that's the last. It's funny we say oh three and oh four. Those were the last two years of the dead puck era. Yeah, but even when Habby was playing through the nineties with Phoenix and early on in Tampa, he never seemed like a goaltender that would get a shutout. Like he was the Bulin Wall, but like he never seemed like the kind of guy. And I mean, things just I worked so perfectly that year. Finally accumulated in 04 for Tampa. But just, Hobby, Hobby was just solid. Like Huck and Dart. <laughs> Huck and Dart. He, he, he was just a all around good, good goaltender. Like, was he a world beater? No, but he was just a, a just a damn good goaltender. Yeah. And that 04 team was exceptionally good too. I, I, I forgot it was five. I thought it was four. That's why I wasn't thinking of him. I was like, no, Hobby got four, I thought. I don't because he didn't have one in the final, right? Did he? Ah, uh, because game seven was three one. No, two one or two one. You're right. Yeah, it was, two, it was two Fedotenko goals. Ruzan, Fedotenko, um, as Gary Thorne would say. Oh, I miss Gary Thorne so damn much. That's that's honestly I miss one Gary Thorne. my one my salty favorite, bird. My 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 favorite Gary Thorne call is still Steve I- Steve Eiserman's double OT goal against the Blues. It's got it's that is that is my just all time favorite Gary Thorne call. I scared. I was doing a game at Ferris uh, Ferris with Harrison Watt, good buddy of mine, friend of the show here, and we were trying to like test because he was gonna do like a audio from his phone. Like I gotta test him. Like play a video. I'm like here, I'm gonna play Steve Eisman's call from '96, and I'm like the ESPN feed, right? Because I know Bob Cole's feed a little bit. I'm like, is it the ESPN feed? He's like, yeah. I'm like, ready for this? He's like, what? He starts playing it, and I literally did it verbatim. <laughs> and he, he looks over at me like with these wild, like terrified eyes. <laughs> Everyone in the truck, because they have like an actual production truck at Ferris, they're literally in our ears like, who, how the hell do you know that? That's etched into my brain. It just, just, just. Gretzky oh had it, God. lost it. Eisman picks Gretzky it up. Eisman looking. Blue line chance. Scores! Steve <laughs> It's that one. That one and Marty St. Louis game six overtime winner descended. Oh, of course. 
Shouldn't oh even. Oh my God. Matthew, Matthew, Louis! Matthew, and you know this, should never even gotten a double overtime, and you know it. it. I don't want to hear it. Marty Jelna is the hero of the 04 Cup final. I won't. Anyone <laughs> tell me different? Oh, God, I miss Gary Thorne so much. And that's the worst part. He's not even on the ESPN staff. What no, is, I mean, where, where is he? Like, he's not I working. He retired. Oh, did he retire? Dang it. I thought he just I didn't. thought he retired. I thought he retired. I know he's not doing anything with Baltimore, which. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I heard whispers that there was just a falling You know, with, with ESPN bringing him back in, like, there should be a petition to be like, bring Gary Thorne back for just one playoff game. Just, just for all of us 90s kids and early 2000 kids who grew up with Gary Thorne commentating games on ESPN, please just one more game of Gary Thorne commentating hockey, please. Well, I'm terrified because if Gary Thorne's not there, who's the heck's calling the final next year? Because I can't do seven games of John Butchergrass. I, I'm sorry. I Yeah. Uh, there is Steve Levy, and if Steve's willing to do it, I'm okay with that. Look, I like Steve Levy. I'll take I'll take Butchergrass over what they had with NBC for the past God knows how many years. I'll take that. I'll yeah. take that. It's not much of an upgrade, but I'll take it. Well, I will say this, Doc. I don't know, maybe it's because I um, it's another thing with a '90s kid because you know you talking about '96. Okay. Yeah, Doc Doc's was okay. okay. Kenny Albert, I I still think Johnny Forsland should have done the final. Because I because I don't know what the deal is with Root Sports with he's gonna with him being in Seattle if they're gonna not let him do any national games like this may have been his one and only shot to do a Stanley Cup final and it kind of I think he got gypped but that's just me but um uh, where was I gonna go with this here I had to carry in here oh yes speaking of Seattle because I just kind of came to this because the big question is you did it back to back can they do it again but. The first step is obviously there's a few contracts can be assigned, but who do you leave exposed for Seattle? July 17th is the deadline that all the teams in the National Hockey League have to reveal who they want to leave open. Now, the only team is Vegas, obviously. Vegas gets the bypass, which they're probably like, can we give them somebody? Because we are in cap crunch, you know what, right now. But if you're Tampa, if you're Julian Brisewa, you're Mr. Cap finagling guy supreme, who do you leave open? to the expansion draft now yes there can be under the table deals to make sure this guy doesn't get picked and whatnot but who do you think is going to be the guy nabbed in the expansion draft on the 21st Uh, here's the problem is no matter what any of us do in lightning fandom or lightning coverage to say you know this is what we predict the protection list to be there's way too many unknown variables because everything relies on if a side deal is going to happen. Um, obviously, the prime candidate is Tyler Johnson, obviously, given what we tried to do last offseason. Yep. And he's elevated his his trade stock a lot through this season and his playoffs. Um, but I don't think that's going to be enough, and I think Seattle's going to be is a smart enough front office to leverage that. Um, I feel like Tampa's going to lose two good players. Um, I don't know about a prospect, probably a pick or two. It's just, it's just way – because, like – if you if you if you're trying to send Johnson someplace and package him, the most sensible thing to do, in my opinion, is probably trade him with McDonough because McDonough is still playing at a top defensive level. Well, hey, there were it's some come- people that had him on the Conn Smythe ballots. Some of the guys, exactly. Yeah, deservedly so. He had a fantastic final. He really did. Oh yeah. Um, but we have to we have to look at this in a sense of like McDonough is on the wrong side of thirty. Eventually, he's going to regress. He's making like six point seven against the cap. Yep. You know, if you can package him and Johnson, that frees up like 11, almost $12 million in cap space. Um, and that entices 
a team like Seattle to get two good players, one guy who would automatically come in and be their top defenseman, and another guy who can come in and be a leader and a good de- and a good middle six center for them. Because that's honestly where Johnson fits right now. He's a middle six center. Um, if you give him some good wingers, he can really produce. Um, but we don't know. Tampa might choose to ch- protect four and four and protect McDonough. We, do, we don't know because we just – there's too many variables. They might package in with uh, McDonough. They might not even package Tyler Johnson. They might try to, try to do another deal where they package two forwards. We just don't know. And um, that uncertainty makes predicting what the Lightning are going to do extremely difficult. Because literally, I mean, they, they have to expose – Johnson, Palat, Kalorn, uh, Gord. Those are four exceptionally good forwards. Like right. you oh, yeah. want any of those guys. You know, yeah. at the top, you'd probably want Gord or Kalorn the most. But like those are four exceptionally good forwards, you know, and we're losing at least one of them. You know, and also and, that, and also with Kalorn having a broken fibula, do you think that mm-hmm. will deter Seattle from picking him up? I don't know, maybe. It just it honestly depends. I mean, that's another thing we don't really know about. I know it's a shortened off season, but I mean, the guy tried to come back and play in the final. Oh yeah, so of course. With, with some with some actual recuperation, he might be ready to go for the regular season. We just don't know, and that's that's what makes it difficult. My opinion, I just gave you. I think they should entice them to take Johnson, give them McDonough, and if they need to spice it up a little more, give them something else, and that helps keep the four core together. It hurts losing McDonough, but Sergeyev is been playing the same old McDonough for a while. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so, and and we need to make room for Cal Foot to come in. Even though there's room on the right side, like we need we need that ice time in general for Cal Foot um, to come in and really get some good games. And he played half the season this year. And honestly, he looked like a rookie, to, to just put it bluntly. Um, and this isn't to say that like we want McDonough to go, but at the same point, it's, it's, a, it's a business decision. I think it's easier to let those two go than to let two forwards go. You know, but then again, Breezeball might disagree. He might say, no, we need McDonough. You know, he can shelter uh, California if he needs to, or Sergeyev can, and then we can we can work out the fours because we have Ross Colton and we have Matthew Joseph and we've got guys like Boris Kachuk and Taylor Radish who are going to come up who can possibly fill in and Alex Barry Boulet who can come up. So who knows? He might package two forwards for all I know. It's just a matter of what Seattle is lo- willing to look at. Yep. And what Tampa's willing to give up, and it's just there's there's I, I, how many things I just named. I just named like what four or five different ways it can go, and there's probably a hell of a lot more that I can't even think of off the top of my head. Yeah, and I mean Julian Breezewa, I I wonder if it's just because he's a great hockey mind, or the fact that he was working under Steve Eiserman, and you know, and yes, Breezewa is there, and he made the big move to get Goudreau and Coleman there last year to really help solidify this team, solidify the lineup, but. You can't ignore Stevie Wise's contributions to the franchise oh, and why they've won these last two cups. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I mean, Eiserman deserves full credit for building this team. But at the same point, Breezeball has been there since day one. He was his assistant GM since day one. He had his hand in every single deal, every single player acquisition. He was involved. So he was just as much in it as Eiserman was. Um, obviously, a lot of the credit would go to Eisen because he was the GM for the for majority of this course um, lifespan. But Breeze Walter deserves a metric shit ton of credit for tweaking the roster the way he needed to and not overreacting to the 2019 sweep to the Columbus Blue Jackets. That takes a certain level of cojones to, to sit there and be like, we're not changing anything. We need to get better players to supplement our core. And he did that. 
And we can, I mean, we can argue about the price of, you know, Coleman, Goodrow, and... Uh, Who needs first-round picks anymore? Not if you win the Cup. We can, we can argue the price all we want, but at the end of the day, it's about winning Cups. And guess what? Tampa's got two of them in a row. Exactly. So you know what? It's worth it. So it, it's tough because we, we talked... You know, we, it just seems like as good as the team was before they arrived, Coleman and Gurjo became just this these two players and with with Yanni Gord there on that line, they became probably the most important line. Maybe not the most statistically the best line, but maybe the most important line to getting Tampa over the hump. They're both UFAs. Do they both come back? Do none of them come back? What if you're Julian Breezewall, what do you do with arguably your two best depth pieces? Well, you throw a contract offer that what you can do to both of them. Um, I don't believe Coleman's coming back. I, I believe Coleman has priced himself out. He's a legit top six forward who was basically on our quote-unquote third line, even though it wasn't a third line, it was a second line. Yeah. Um, and I just think Coleman's going to go after the money, which he absolutely should. He has been severely underpaid his entire NHL career. And he's going to get four to five million on the open market, and he's going to be a happy man. Um, so I don't see us keeping Coleman unless he takes a severe pay cut, which I don't think he should. Not after uh, two good, cups. Yeah, not after two cups. Goodrow, I feel like we can probably keep Goodrow at a good price. Goodrow doesn't really produce in the way to really force his price up that much. He's great defensively, but I mean, let's be honest, your contractor is driven, especially past two and a half million um, by what you produce. Could Goodrow produce more? Maybe. But at the same point, Goodrow is probably going to be the easier player to keep over Coleman. Um, but we'll see. I, I feel like Breville is going to offer them both contracts that he can work with. And I think Coleman's going to say thanks, but no thanks. I loved it here, but I'm going to go after the money because, you know, I've got two little girls I got to look after. Yep. It's always, it's always about the family and especially after you win. All right, let's, let's, let's get some money here. And he's got, he, he's got two out. cups, man. He, he's, he's got two cups on his, he's got two rings on his finger. Like yeah. he's, He's got nothing else to prove. Give me five and a half, six mil, whatever that may be. Uh, but of course, if you do lose one or both, guess what? Matthew Joseph, I got, I got, good Lord. He he really impressed me in these last couple of series. And uh, the guy that scored the game-winning goal last night, Colton Ross, or Ross Colton. Ross, Ross Colton. I said that earlier in the show, too. I'm like, I kept saying Colton Ross, like all playoffs. I'm like, it's supposed to be Ross Colton. But, Colt, but yes. I, I tell you, he UVM grad, Vermont's proud and joy. You know, I mean, he he's another guy that's can be a big depth piece. Right now, next year's odds that were released before this thing was all said and done, anyways, has the Lightning third on the best odds, fifteen to two odds. I'm not a gambling man, but these are just the numbers here from the Athletic. Five to one is Colorado. I you know I know you have to wait to see everything happen. Who Tampa's able to keep around? How the expansion draft goes? How free agency goes? Is Tampa a threat to do it again? Is the big question. I mean, if they can keep a good, uh, large amount of the roster together, absolutely. Um, but again, it's 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 a guessing game. It's not like with Vegas or Colorado, where like yeah, they have some big contracts coming up, but you're expecting them to keep a good portion of those. Whereas Tampa, there could be some there could be some really really big roster moves. That could bring in a lot of new faces, and as a lot of new faces have to learn to play the way the Lightning play, which is going to take time. Yeah. Um, but if they keep a good portion of the team together, like if, let's just say they only lose like two players, okay? Let's just say, for example's sake, they lose McDonough and they lose Johnson, which for example's sake. 
Okay, the rest of the team stays. They somehow keep Coleman and Goodrow at a ridiculously low cap number. They absolutely could, but they're losing at least two players to the expansion draft. They're losing at least one of Coleman and Goodrow. So that's a minimum of three players that they're uh, losing. You know, possibly a fourth with Goodrow. Yeah, and four guys off your roster. That's a lot of guys to replace, especially guys who are like that. They're, they were all impact players in some capacity, especially McDonough. And if that's how it goes, then, I mean, Tampa will be a playoff team, absolutely. Will they be like a top-tier cup contender? I don't think so. They'll be on that second-tier of cup contender. But uh, who knows? They might. They can make the playoffs next year and just be like, we're Tampa Lightning. Try to beat us, and they just run gambit again. Finish third in the Atlantic and just beat up everyone in the playoffs because Alex Clark mm-hmm. will be coming back from surgery. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I hey, listen. I I know that they're able to win the series in five, but that just shows how important of a guy he is. Just the way every like that team still rallied around him, even though he wasn't in the lineup. But Matthew, before we let you go here, before we sign off here on TKS, way too early pick for the Stanley Cup next year. You you said Tampa's not the cup contender. Then who is? Oh, should I go? If you say Colorado. I'm going to probably agree with you. Should I go with the ridiculous, like, oh, let's just say Colorado. Um, You know, I'm going to go on a limb, and I'm going to say that Vegas finally finds a way. But Mm. another hot thing I'm going to have is that Toronto was finally going to pull their hand over no, no, I'm not letting you do this, man. I'm getting out of here. Oh, I'm totally doing it to you. (laughs) Totally doing it. I'm, I'm predicting next year the Leafs finally, finally, win a playoff round it's going to be excruciating you're going to hate your life they're finally going to win a playoff round and they might win another one <sighs> don't know because like if you get halfway there it's like uh like that's why i feel bad for the well, islanders because you the, have to yeah. you, you have to fail before you succeed oh well, there's Toronto's plenty done, of failure toronto has done a lot of failure but toronto hasn't tasted success yet whereas like you can use Tampa as, a, as an example because Tampa had a lot of success, but like some failures mixed in, whereas Toronto has had absolutely nothing but failure in the postseason. Right. So once they taste that first taste of success, that's going to drive them. And they're going to have more failures beyond that. But winning, but winning a playoff round will actually help that team probably get out, get, get out of its own head. Yeah. For one. Um, because let's be honest, like they should have beaten Montreal. Let's be honest. They should have. We know. <laughs> My, my, but, liver, my liver knows as well. But they cracked. Oh, they, they cracked hard. That's the thing. Well, this is why I say Colorado is now with Tampa winning back-to-back cups or winning a cup in the first place. Colorado is that team now, I believe, that they're like Tampa where they're good. They're the favorite. They should be. And second round. And knocked out. Uh, I, would, I would consider them more the Washington Capitals. Oh, is it because they have a guy that can shoot the puck that's right-handed? <laughs> no, it's because they haven't made it out of the second round. Oh, gosh, that's right. And, oh, yeah, that's true. Vegas is more akin to Tampa. But than... Vegas is old. Tampa at least had youth in their lineup. During this is years. true. This is true. But Colorado's giving me, like, Washington vibes of, like, my God, they are just laden with talent. But th- this was, like, their best shot with how that team is constructed now. You know, and <clears throat> like they're going to have to make some hard decisions soon. It's going to really squeeze that that roster with McCarr's next contract because McCarr will get paid. Oh, yeah. And like it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep that depth up. But that depth didn't help them when their best player 
was shut down by Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like Colorado jumped up to it. Colorado wiped the floor in game one, eked out game two, and then got wiped off the face of the earth in the next four games by Vegas. Because Vegas took away Nathan McKinnon, and it revealed the issue with Colorado. Now, obviously, Nazem Kadri's suspension didn't help either, but it just showed how limited their scoring depth was when McKinnon isn't putting in two points a night or something like that. Yeah. Whereas Tampa... Point didn't score the entire point. I don't think Point scored a goal that entire series. No, he didn't. He didn't score a point entire series. Kucherov wasn't nearly as effective as he normally was. But what? What? I, there was a. Oh god, let me pull it up real quick. The last six goals Tampa scored in that series. Okay, this is this this is how deep Tampa is. This is like something no other team has. All right, the last. Oh, where is it? Where is that tweet? Last six goals: Colton, Maroon, Goodrow, Coleman. Johnson, Johnson, Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Like the, it's, it, that's why I was going to get to as well. Like how deep this team is, because could I told you that Stamkos was a key factor in this series? No. Can I told you no, that Braid, Poyter, Kutrow were key factor in the series? No, it was literally, they altered their game to play a different style. Cause Montreal, while they're not the New York Islanders in terms of tough defense, they had to fix it. And that's what just makes Tampa so dangerous. And it's, that's why the salary cap era is kind of a bummer because you don't have the same dynasties as we used to back in the day. But then again, players were not getting paid bajillions of bajillions of dollars back in the day. So salary caps didn't were needed back in the 80s. Everyone just stayed around because it's expensive to move, guys. Can we just stay here for like seven, eight years? Pretty much. But we have been chatting here with Matthew Estevez. He writes about the Tampa Bay Lightning for raw charge on SB Nation. Second time here on TK, second time here this postseason. He's excited because the Tampa Bay Lightning, if you haven't heard about it yet, they have won the thing. They've won Lord Stanley's Cup for a second year in a row, third time in their franchise's history. Make sure you follow them, guys, at Raw Charge, at Matthew S. Estevez there on Twitter. Matt, thank you once again for taking the time again, man. It's been a pleasure as it was the first time. We'll definitely need to have you after Seattle because we need to figure out this team can do it again. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Get, hit me up. I will happily talk again. Absolutely. Matthew, thank you very much. And for all of you on 12 on Sports, thanking you all for watching this episode. Be sure to catch the replay tomorrow on the Kula Show YouTube channel and your favorite podcatcher. We'll see you next time here on the Kula Show. Goodbye.